How many of you like to hit the water, like to swim, the beach, the ocean? How many of you would like to hit the water today, even in Ruston? Not an indoor pool, outside. How many of you would like to? How many of you ever have heard of the psychos called the Polar Bear Club? You ever heard of them? We've got a video. This is in New Hampshire at Dartmouth University. If you don't know where New Hampshire is, find Maine and go down about a quarter of an inch. It is a long way up there and it's cold. And uh, watch these guys hitting the water a couple of winters ago. I think that's good, Brian. I love to swim, but man, you'd have to pay me a million dollars before I would do that. You know, sometimes the thought of hitting the water is not real appealing. We're we're in Joshua chapter 3 this morning where God is fixing to tell about a million people to hit the water. And it's going to be absolutely life-changing for them, and it can be for you and me too. It won't be like hitting frigid waters but the challenge and the reality of the, the, uh, what is at stake is absolutely huge. Let's begin with this. God really does have the best life for you. We're in a sermon series in the book of Joshua, and we're talking about finding your best life. And one of the most exciting things there is is to think that the God of the universe, the creator of everything, looks down at you, he knows you, and he absolutely has a best life for you. Starting in verse 1 in this story, it says, Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove, and they arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. I want to show you again on a map. We looked at this last week, but uh, and, and these places are exactly where they are today, where they were thousands of years ago. This is Jericho. We're going to talk about Jericho in a few weeks, but the Jordan River's right here. That's the barrier. Jewish people are right around in here. That's the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked on. That's Jerusalem, obviously. And they're right here fixing to cross over the Jordan River. And, and all, across the Jordan li- River is the Promised Land. That's where God had the best life for them. That's exactly where God wanted them to be, where his purpose and meaning and blessing were going to happen. Now, here's something really interesting. He'd wanted this for their grandparents and their parents, but they wouldn't do it. But now they're right on the cusp of it. Again, the opportunity to go in. Look in verse 5. In verse 5, it says, Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. That word wonders means miraculous things. It means things that are extraordinary, are wonderful. What, he was, what, what God was telling those Jewish people is he was saying, look, this is fixing to be really difficult, and it's going to test you. But if you'll follow me, man, what I have for you is going to be unbelievable. And, and I'm, not, I'm not just telling you this, throwing you a bone. I'm telling you the truth. If you will get on with God... God's got the life for you that is far greater than anything you can imagine. This was 20, over 20 years ago. The actress, uh, Emily Lloyd, she was 21 at the time. And I cut this out of a magazine. She was 21. Here's what she said. By the time she was 30, here's what she wanted to accomplish. She wanted to write a script, wanted to write a novel. She wanted to star in a musical, work in Paris, start a charity 
for Animal Star to charity for children. Do Shakespeare in the park and get in touch with reality. Don't you want to get in touch with reality? I looked her up recently to see how much she's accomplished of this, and she hadn't accomplished a lot of them. And, you know, those are pretty lofty goals, and you may have some lofty goals. You, you do need to try to get in touch with reality. And if you want to go out to Lincoln Parish Park and do Shakespeare in the Park, that'd be great too. But I want to tell you something. Whatever your plans are, what, whatever that you dream for yourself, this may sound silly, but it's true. God's plans are bigger. The things God wants to do for your life are greater than the things that you want to do with your life. God's plans are, are not only greater, God's plans are where you're going to find your fulfillment. They're, they're, they're where you're going to find what you truly desire in life. I want you to see a passage in Mark chapter 10, way over the New Testament. Jesus had just said some pretty hard things to the disciples about following him. It's hard. It's difficult. Being saved is, is you've got to make some big decisions, follow Christ's big decisions. Peter said, hey, we've given up everything to follow you, Peter said. And Jesus replied, I assure you that, you that everyone who has given up house or brother or sister or mother or father, children or prosperity for my sake or for the good news, listen to this, will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, property, and he had to say that along with persecution, and then you get eternal life when you die. See, whatever your dreams are, Whatever you're hoping for, they they may be right in line with what God has for you. They may not be. But here's what I know. I know God's plans for you are greater than your plans are for you. And I know following God is going to be the place that's going to take you where you're going to be the happiest and most fulfilled. The second thing that rose from this is we've got to be prepared for it. We've got to be preparing. I I put preparing because it's ongoing. How How do we get to the promised land? How do we get to the places and they're multiple. How do we get to the places in life where God wants us to be? We have to be preparing. I mean, if you're going to have a championship season, if you're going to make good grades, you, you don't wait. If you've got any intelligence, you don't wait to the, the day of the test and go in there and try to make an A. You don't wait to the game to, to start prepping for the game. Uh, you, you're, getting ahead, you're getting ready ahead of time. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. Folks, I heard this years ago, and it's so good. Success, the only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. Think about that. If you're going to succeed, you're going to find the life God has for you. You've got to be and be, be becoming the person that God would have you to do. This passage lays out several things in verse 2. It says, three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp. Now, it's, it's interesting. They got to the promised land, and here's what they did for three days. They sat. We're going to look at that more in a moment. How many of you like to be patient? Go ahead and lie. <laughs> None of us do. I mean, we want our Big Mac now. We want God to give us the miracle now. We want the success now. We want the victory now. That's not how it works. There's going to be a time to move. We're going to see in a moment. But big part of finding the life God has for you is patience, and it's moving when God is ready for you to move. Verse 3 and 4, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you've never traveled this way before, they're going to guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them. Keep a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you do not come any closer. Here's what God's telling them. We're fixing to do something great. I'm fixing to do something great in your life. But here's how it's the only way it's going to happen. It's going to be in my timing, not yours. 
And you're going to have to obey me. You're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to be dedicated. You're going to have to do what I tell you to do. The Ark of the Covenant is mentioned several times in this passage. The Ark of the Covenant is a famous thing. Its movies have been made about it. It was the beautiful, it was a golden laid chest that represented the presence of God. And in it were several very significant things of the Jewish people, the Ten Commandments, the, the staff that Aaron carried, and several other things. And, and for those people, that represented the presence of God. So God's telling them, look, this is going to be tough, but I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. You can't get to where God wants you to, to go if you're not following God. Amen? Well, I want God to bless me. God doesn't bless me based on me. God blesses me based on how I follow and I obey him, how I listen to him. Are you hearing what God's saying about your situation? Is your nose in the Bible? You're you're obviously at church this morning. Do you listen? Do you pay attention? I I saw a story this week. It was the CEO of Belfort. His name is Sheldon Yellen. Belfour is a $1.5 million, billion, excuse me, company. It, it's got offices all over the world. And he tells a story, this CEO of this multi-billion dollar company, a young man, I guess probably in his mid-20s, salesman, gets the opportunity somehow to come sit down with the CEO of this company to sell him something. And he said, they're sitting there in the first 10 minutes of our conversation, three times he pulls out his phone and he starts texting people. And I told him, we're done. He said, dude, you're wanting me to invest millions of dollars in you, and you can't even give me 10 minutes and listen to me? God's not that abrupt with us, but you know, that's the same way, isn't it? We got to hear God. How do I get prepared? Got to be patient. I got to be committed to God. I got to be dedicated, and I've got to listen to God. I've got to be willing to hear what God has to say. Look in verse 5. It says, Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. The word purify means to dedicate. It means to make clean. In other words, it means to be who you should be. Again, we, we, kinda, we, we live in a day where nothing seems right anymore. Two plus two is whatever you want it to be. Morals are whatever you choose for them to be. Guys, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not going to back away from it, there's some standards in here that are never going to change. God's got the best life for you. You're not going to be perfect, but you've got to make a decision. You're going to do life God's way. You're going to follow him. How many of you know who George Washington and Benedict Arnold are? You know those names? If you don't know who Benedict Arnold is, Google him, not now, but uh, <laughs> after church. What a lot of people don't know, Benedict Arnold was the the infamous traitor in the Revolutionary War. And I always thought, you know, he just must have been some real loser, uh, no count. You know, he betrayed our country, tried to sell us to the uh, the Brits, and and then he ends up dying in England, an old old man who was a failure. Here's the truth on him. He was an outstanding soldier. He was buddies with George Washington. He was courageous. He was ambitious. He was a go-getter. He just didn't have character. He was greedy, he was selfish, he was a drunk. And, and when, when, when the heat got turned on him, you know what he did? He fell apart. When the heat got turned on George Washington, because his character, he got stronger. And that's what God's saying to you and me. Listen, your destiny is far more about choices than it is about chance. And here's a wonderful old Latin saying, your character is going to determine your fate. You make the right choices, you be prepared, you be who you should be. Your choices, more than chance, are going to determine your destiny, and your character is going to determine your destiny. So God's got a plan. 
I need to be prepared. I'm always in prepared mode. And here's the third thing. There are going to be big obstacles in the way. You know, one of the things I love about the Bible, and I love many things, one of the things I love about the Bible, it tells you the truth. It's just honest. Last, last week, the hero of the story is a prostitute. If you're making up a, a, a religious book, you don't make up Rahab the prostitute to be the hero. Would you agree with that? I mean, that's not how you make up religion. And if I was writing this story, maybe I would have left this out. That, that, you know, God just took them to the promised land and everything went great. That's not how God wrote it. Look in verse 14 and 15. The people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. We're going to read the first part of this. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Now, here's the problem, guys. They are on one side of the Jordan River to get to where God wants them to be. And God's, they're listening to God. They're being patient. God's saying, prepare, and this is where I want you to be. The problem is, is the Jordan River is at flood stage. I want you to see what the Jordan River looks like normally. Cindy and I were in Israel about three years ago. When we saw the Jordan River across from Jericho, that's about what it looked like. We could have all gotten across that without a problem. Now, I want you to see what the Jordan River looks like in flood stage. Now, this is probably a picture from the 1920s. They've got terraces and and dams built now where it doesn't happen like that, but they didn't obviously in Joshua's day. Here is a a place where they cross, which is normally uh, 10 feet across. Now, you had to walk down some terraces to get there. 10 feet across, and it's two, three, four feet deep. It's not a problem. You put grandma on your back, and you swim across, right? You throw the kids across, and you're good. I mean, it's no problem. Now, instead of being 10 to 15, 20 feet across, it's a mile across. Instead of being three or four feet deep, now it's 10 to 15 feet deep. And you got women and children. How many of you, at least men, see a problem with this story right now? And in verse 2, look in verse 2. It says, three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp. Now, here's what's funny. Here's what God did. God got them to the edge of the river and made them sit for three days. And look at the raging river. Isn't that funny? Doesn't God have a good sense of humor? I mean, if I'd have been in charge of the story, I'd have kept everybody way back and made them cross at night so they'd have never seen the river. That's not how God, God pulled this off. You're going to follow God? I promise you, I'll see you in heaven 150 years from now, and you'll tell me I was right on this. You found the best life when you follow God. But it's going to be hard. I think it's getting harder and harder, young people. And people aren't going to understand you. You're going to have communication problems. You're going to have logistic problems. Right at the time when God's telling you to act, the river, figuratively, probably, is going to be flooded. And you're going to be going, my goodness, my goodness. And here's what a lot of us are worried about. We're just going to look dumb. We're just going to look dumb. I want to read you something. This, this is supposedly a true story. It happened in San Diego, California about 20 years ago. There was a raid at the Southwood Psychiatric Hospital. There had been some uh, medical insurance fraud. And so the FBI came in there. Apparently, they moved the patients to another location. They worked like 10 hours straight. At the end of the day, they wanted some pizza. So I'm going to kind of give you a verbatim. One of the FBI agents calls the, the pizza place. He says, hello, I would like to order 19 large peaches and six, 67 Cokes. 
The pizza man said, that's great. Where do you want them delivered? He says, we're over at the psychiatric hospital. The pizza man says, the psychiatric hospital? He said, that's right, I'm an FBI agent. (laughs) You're at the psychiatric hospital and you're an FBI agent? That's correct, and about everybody over here is. Pizza man says again, and you're where? At the psychiatric hospital? That's correct, and make sure, don't go through the front doors. We have them locked. Go around the back to the service entry and we'll be waiting on you for the pizzas. The man, the pizza guy said again, and you're all FBI agents? That's right, when can you get the pizzas here? And he said again, so everyone at the psychiatric hospital is an FBI agent? He said, that's right, we've been here all day and we're starving. Click. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted to been the FBI guy making that call. And that's a little bit embarrassing. But you know, when you decide you're going to follow God, you're, you're, you're dating that person you don't need to be dating and God's telling you to break up and it's going to be hard, hard, hard. Some of you are going to make a mistake and you're going to stay in that relationship and then it's going to, you think it's not good while you're dating. Some of you are scared to death of getting married and you, you, you need to go ahead and close your eyes and jump in the water and get married. Some of you, God's got plans for you and he may leave you in Ruston the rest of your life and you wanted to see the whole world, but God's saying, I want you here. Some of you, you have dug in and you, you, you do not want to leave. And God's saying, I want to take you halfway across the world. And it's going to be so hard. And we live under the illusion that following God is easy and it's no problems. And there's no difficulties. Nothing could be farther from the truth. But you know this. If you're going to win a championship, you're going to be a great scholar. You're going to have to prepare and it's going to be hard. Follow God, you want to get to where God wants you to be, there's going to be a lot of obstacles in the way. And here's the culmination. We're going to have to, at some point, step out in faith and follow God. When you know what God's wanting you to do, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult. You're going to have people complaining, telling you you shouldn't do it. And sometimes there are people who love you and care about you. But then you've got to step out and do it. Look in verse 13. This is such a great story. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. Wouldn't it have been a terrible day to have been a priest? I'm a minister. I can imagine our ministry team. We would have argued. I, I think we'll let Corey and Merrick and the young guys be up front today and give them some experience. Because you're walking toward a flooding river carrying this huge ark And God's saying, oh, it's going to happen, but it ain't going to happen until you get up and get moving and your feet touch the water. Can God pull it off? Let's see the rest of the story. I think he can. Verse 14, so the people left the camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season. And the Jordan was overflowing its banks, but as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance at a town called Adam, which is near Sorinthan. And the water at that point flowed onto the Dead Sea, and the riverbed was dry, and all the people crossed over to Jericho. Wow. Now, here's an interesting thing. In recent history, and I hate to say recent history, and one of them was like, 16, or excuse, 1267, which is not real recent, but 1906 and 1927, 
In this exact area, there have been earthquakes. Israel has earthquakes. And this, this city of Adam that's upstream from this point has sharp banks, and the earthquake happens, and the, the banks collapse. There's a landslide. 1927, that happened in the water down here by Jericho. was cut off. It was completely dry, the river, for 21 hours. Here's what I believe happened. I believe God reached his finger down there and touched that little spot near Adam and created an earthquake. Now, I don't want this to happen at all, but I want to give you an illustration. Let's say that we heard from God and we knew it was God that the, that the city hall was going to collapse tomorrow at noon. And at 1158, there was an earthquake and city hall collapsed. You know what? I think that was God if God said it was going to happen. I don't make it any less of a miracle. But look in verse 17. Verse 17 is great what it says. And meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. So not only was there an earthquake at just the exact right moment, but also God just took his hand and kind of blow dried the river to make it dry. Do you believe God can do that? Amen. He can. And the story says nothing happened until their feet touched the water. Now listen, please don't go do something dumb today and blame it on me. Stepping out in faith is not just jumping off the high dive and praying there's water in the pool. I've heard ministers say this before. Well, I didn't know what to do. I had two job opportunities, so I just stepped out in faith and did this. That's not stepping out in faith. That's being dumb. Here's what stepping out in faith is. Stepping out in faith is I know what God's telling me to do. I may not even want to do it initially. I'm scared. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's what stepping out in faith is. And many of us are waiting on a miracle, and then we're going to act. Certainly, you don't want to get ahead of God. But at times, God's waiting for us to act before he's going to do the miracle. And I want to tell you this. When your problem is at its biggest, God is at his best. What are you supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? We are supposed to trust God and act. How many of you have ever seen the trapeze guys at the, the circus? We got a picture of the trapeze guys. That's Zach Yates and, and Nate Shear back in their younger days. Love those outfits. But Nate is what's called the flyer. I would want to be the catcher. I would want to be the secure guy. And there's not enough money in the world to get me on a trapeze. But here's what they say they do. The flyer has to trust the catcher completely. At the right time, after hundreds of hours of practice, he's experienced enough to do this. He lets go. He doesn't try to catch the catcher. He lets go, and he lets the catcher catch him. You know what? That's what God's telling us to do this morning. He's telling us to let go, quit trying to control things, let go, trust God, and move forward. That's what he wants us to do. And if you're a leader this morning, it's interesting. The priests were the ones that took the lead by God's command. You're a dad, you're a husband, you're a mom, you're a coach, you're a captain. Everybody in here, though, leaders first. Hit the water. You're waiting on everybody else to do the right thing. Step up, step out, and hit the water. Follow God. Do what's right. And again, maybe you're, you're, you're not a leader. You're, you're right now, you're at a different stage in your journey. You, you hit the water and follow God. I guarantee you there was people griping and complaining the whole way across. The river's going to come undam. We're going to drown. And those are the ones you want to trip and hold them in the river till the water comes back. But you can't, you can't worry about those people. There comes a point you've got to step up and you've got to step out 
you got to follow God. I want to ask you this morning, will you? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I'm going to talk to you more in a moment about some things that I think would be great for you to do. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian and you're ready and you're sincere this morning, you want to cross that line with Jesus, would you pray with me where you are? And say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a minute. And and for some of us, it's time to cross the line. It's time to hit the water. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. Are you ready to do it? You can talk to one of our ministers after church or Or maybe you want to, when we stand, you want to come today and follow Christ. We'll be down here waiting on you to counsel you, to help you. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to, if God's leading you. And and, and that may be the next step in your spiritual journey. And you need to go ahead and do it. You can do it during the invitation. Or again, you can catch us after church and do it. Christian, you're at one or two places. Let me tell you where I am and where many of you are. I don't have a crisis right now. I don't have something big that I'm dealing with. That may change in three weeks, two months. But we need to say to God right now, I want to be prepared. And when the time comes, God, I'm going to head to the water. Others of you today, you know, you know God's dealing with your heart about something. And you need to hit the water. You need to do it. You need to do it this morning. You want to come and pray or let us pray with you or help you? We would love to. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you.